0: From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Evan Earwicker,
1: And we have with us today a special guest, Randall Knight. Uh, welcome,
2: Randall. Hey, how's it going, guys?
1: Randall was on staff for many, many years here at Westside, and going back to, what year did you first start coming around Westside? 2000. 2000. Yeah. So, going on 20 years here at the church. Has
0: it been 20 years since the year 2000? I mean, we're goodness. going on it, right? I'm ready for Y2K. Can we make Y2K happen? Did you I come, felt like it was, a good, it was a good idea. Did you decide
1: you needed to start coming to church because of Y2K? It drove you to <laughs> the arms it? of Jesus? No. <laughs> So, Randall, all these years at Westside, you've seen a lot of changes, and you're still here. Still here. You're still here. Yeah. Um, and I, I should back up. The reason that you're on today is because you, you're one of the original listeners of this podcast. Yeah,
2: I listen to every episode. And you're good to give us feedback as we go. Thank you. Not always positive feedback. Well, it's it's to start off, I mean, I love... You guys, I love the church westside church is is my home, and I have never been released to go anywhere else or desired to go anywhere else and so um, through the ups and downs and changes and all of that stuff, it doesn 't matter. you know my relationship with God is the same, and this is where I choose to worship, and this is the people I choose to fellowship with and so that's that 's it for that you know and so as far as the <clears throat> the podcast goes. It was super cool to see it start and see it listen and, and have you guys hear the 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 thing that is tough sometimes is the you guys kind of get down into the weeds a little bit and so when I'm listening to it and being off staff now for a good six years you're starting to lose track of who's who and you know who uh, is producing the messages and who's doing this and who's doing that and so. Oftentimes, there's a quote by Otto von Bismarck. He was like the Prussia dictator. Yes. Yeah. We
1: talk about the Prussians all the time. <laughs> all the time. Around all the time. Here. Yeah. Yeah. But
2: he he has a quote. He has lots of famous quotes, but one of them says, "Law is like sausage. Nobody really needs to see how it's made." And I think a lot of times with your podcast, it happens to get there sometimes, where I'm just like, "No, I just I want to hear about the message. I want to hear about." What Bo is saying, what Steve is saying, and, what, and how how they're going deeper, and what they couldn't get out on the on the message, and and what they changed and stuff, and so oftentimes it kind of gets dives in a little bit into like you know the technical aspects of it, and I'm like, why are we talking about this? But it, I mean, isn't that <laughs> the behind the scenes of a message is both
1: what wasn't said, but also how it came to be? I mean, isn't that behind the scenes behind could, the message?
2: It could be. It could be. Sometimes it is. You guys are, you sometimes will talk about personal things with that particular speaker, but when you have other speakers on that are from out of town that aren't on staff, the podcast sounds different. In a good way? Yeah. 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 It sounds very different. It's very on point. Everyone's kind of keeping it back. They're kind of going back to it, going back to it. I think when you guys are sitting across from each other, you guys are just hopping out of a meeting and going into another meeting, and then you're talking about that meeting and talking about the next meeting, and then other stuff is happening. And as a listener, I'm just like, I, I don't care. I don't care. About for all. now, we're just going through <laughs> HR policy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and, I, I
0: brought the handbook with me today, actually, <laughs> just in case you're wondering.
2: And, and both of you guys have grown up in the church, which has been said so many times on the podcast. It's like, I, I get, I get, I get, I get, but go on to the next point. Go on to the next point. And, and, and from from someone who didn't grow up in the church, that can be really frustrating because they're what you what you guys are doing each time when you say that is you've you've put up a wall between me and you, and then you put up another one, and then you talk about something internally, you put up another one, and it's like I don't I don't know why I'm listening
0: anymore. See, I would find it from the different <laughs> side though when I say. Yeah, I grew up in the church. I'm actually saying, look, I might not have exactly the perspective that every single listener would have out there. So you can take this with the understanding that this is how I grew up. This is what I've seen. And I haven't seen everything that Randall Knight might have seen, which in my mind actually removes the wall instead of extending it upward. It's not, I grew up in the church, so you better understand this how I do. And if you don't, you're wrong. Instead, it's saying, this is just my perspective. uh I, and I, I kind of apologetic that I don't have maybe additional perspective that, that some other people do, especially the listener.:
2: Yeah, I understand that, but it doesn't someone listening for the first time <clears throat> might not understand that. and so to get the, to get this to get the podcast out there more to get more listeners, I think, to get more people understanding the word of God. Better to coming closer to God. When you're doing that, it, <clears throat> it feels like a, a diversion. And so, if you're saying stuff like, "Growing up in the church, we were sort of taught to do this and this," but it could be different some other way. Speak into that. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the line is kind of crossed when you're saying, "Growing up in the church, this is I don't know anything." You're like, "Oh, okay, but it's great." But how does that get into where we're going to next? Right. right.
1: What's fascinating about you, to me, Randall? And this is for years now. I, I, I don't, I don't understand how how you hang on. Like this podcast, for instance. Yeah, yeah. No one, no one forces anybody to listen to podcasts, right? There's no like, you know. There's (laughs) a lot of social pressure to listen to behind the message, (laughs) Randall. So you're choosing, you're, you're choosing to listen to it but with some pretty strong feelings. And this goes bigger than the podcast. You said it earlier. You haven't felt released to worship anywhere else. This is your home. This is your church. And yet I think a lot of people that have walked through the, the, the length of history, good times and bad, most would have like been out at some of those bad points. You know, um, not a lot of people I think would have stuck out through as many ups and downs as you've experienced here at West side. Why?
2: There's a clear, there's a, I have a relationship with God. I don't have a relationship with Ben Fleming. I have a relationship with Evan, mm-hmm. earwicker. I've known you since you were very young. And that relationship with you and me, it doesn't hold anything regarding my relationship with God. And so... If somehow we could get to the people that are interested in church, are kind of on the fringes and stuff, and how people come into church is, is rarely, I woke up one day and I thought I should go to church. It's mostly, I knew this person, and then we had a relationship, and then I started this relationship with God. People are going to bring you into church, and people will push you out of church. Mm-hmm. And uh, holding on to that idea and knowing, like, these people are going to hurt you. They're going to hurt you at work. They're going to hurt you in relationships. They're going to hurt you even at church. Don't pay no mind to that. When you have a relationship with God, your relationship with God shouldn't change because it's just, it's people are people. You're going to make mistakes, Evan. Hopefully you don't make any big giant mistakes that will lead you into the news. And then me go, (laughs) man, I knew that guy. (laughs) But, um, we have, when you, when you place people in that perspective, of going, hey, you know, Evan is his own person. He's able to do good things or bad things or whatever. Whatever he does isn't going to change what's going to happen over here as far as being a Christian going to church or listening to music. Evan has very distinct tastes and styles of music, and so that doesn't have anything to do with me. And so that's why I have a relationship with God, and I've been asked to be here by him since... 1999, and this is where I'm at. So it's seen a lot of different changes, a lot of different leadership, a lot of things happen, and buildings move, and stuff added on to it, and it just do you, doesn't change. Do you miss the old days? No. No. I mean, we've moved forward in a lot of different ways, and I think growth is always good, and it's you're always going to experience growing pains in anything, and so... Um, it's it changes. I mean, the stuff that we're talking about now in our society, and uh, we have to talk about in churches, were, didn't exist, you know, ten years ago, and they de- definitely didn't exist eighteen years ago. So um, we never had a transgender discussion in two thousand, two thousand one, and so um, this is part of it. I didn't. You don't know that when you're on a church staff and you're you're growing up, and you have. Kids playing in worship and now they're leaders of the whole youth you know, organization. So.
0: so let me ask you guys and go away even just from specifically the West Side church and, and podcast kind of discussion. Where do you find, uh, we've talked a lot about race and we've talked about uh, women equality in church. Uh, what, where do we find these conversations about gender, about, um, you know, a lot of young people going transgender really early, uh, the, the conversation around homosexuality? How important of a conversation is this for the church going forward? Is it kind of a make or break thing in the next 10, 15 years for the church?
1: I had a conversation on Tuesday with uh, Pastor Jim Stevens. He's one of our kind of pastor emeritus, Is that Emeriti? I don't know, around here anyway. Uh, he, he served... Um, on the mission field for years. He's been a pastor here for years, and he helps a lot of small churches around our area now. It's kind of his main thing. But he was talking about some of these issues like the um, transgender conversation, and he said um, his feeling is that in the years ahead, we're going to not have a choice whether or not to speak up or take a stand or have a position on issues like this. Because it's going to be forced on us. And then he said, happily, I won't be here for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, He's referencing his you know, age. How old
0: is Jim? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's not that old. I was like, eh, I think he'll be around for a little bit longer here, Jim. But, um, and then I told him that he, he was in Vietnam, so I guess he gets a pass on the, having to take a stand here now. But, um, I but I think the issue isn't, oh, should we address any of these issues that we talked about, I think it's, it's when will we address them because we're going to have, have to address them. Society will make churches take a stand. And I think this is where we find ourselves in a, in a dicey spot. Um, and I think a lot of churches are in that wrestling position where it's like uh, they're not clear-cut ways to take a hard stand that's both going to be loving and truth-filled that's real obvious. And so here we are. And as time goes by, society is forcing churches
2: to state an opinion. Do you agree with that, Randall? I I think it's unfortunate that, yeah, that's probably moving in that direction. And everybody would... I can only speak for myself, so yeah. It is unfortunate that, yeah, we probably are moving in that direction. Um, What's what's never spoken about is that there's no such thing as an all-inclusive group. It just doesn't exist. Um, there's a book, Bo has it, and uh, talks about uh, if there were a lesbian gay community group and if there was a church group in the same area, and the pastor of that church said, hey, I decided that I am gay and I still want to serve here, or I still want to be a pastor here, I still want to do all the things that I'm doing, I'm just letting you guys know. And you pause that, and you go to the lesbian gay community group, and that leader says, hey, I just realized that I found Christ, and I'm a Christ follower, and a believer now, and I no longer believe that being lesbian or gay or transgender, any of those things are, are, are the right way to do it. Um, <clears throat> each one of those groups, with the people in the group, would probably say, hey, we love you, we appreciate your honesty, we're glad that you're here, we're glad that you've done what you've done. But... According to this group, you're, you're falling outside of the standards of this group. And so lovingly, we're going to have to ask you to step down. And you can still, quote-unquote, be a part, but um, there's no such thing as an all-inclusive group.
1: Because of incompatible either beliefs or
2: um,
1: structures, social structures whatever, they're incompatible is what you're saying. You can't, you can't both say... Um, homosexuality homosexuality is wrong and also say, but
2: homosexuality is totally okay
1: in that same community.
2: Yeah, that's what essentially the book is saying and that's what the, the author theorized about that. And so when you break it down to other levels it's kind of funny that, like, for instance, the NFL is now taking a stand on people not standing for the national anthem, which my personal opinion was it was Um, I felt it was disrespectful to do that, but I was also excited and happy that we live in a culture where they can choose to do that. And so now that the NFL has taken a stand, it's sort of, uh, again, out of my opinion, out of my hands, as it was in the first place. But they have a, a standard as well that they are trying to uphold, and they are stepping outside of what we have in the Constitution is the right to stand or not stand and they're saying hey in this organization we don't care about the Constitution we're asking you to stand because we pay you Mm -hmm. and it's an interesting thought
1: interesting too that the team owners were a lot of them standing or not standing we're in solidarity with some of these players sure. until the ratings came out after last season. Interesting. And now all of a sudden weird, they're in unison. This is not okay. You right. know, <laughs>
0: so, okay. there's still a handful of them that have come out that have said, I will pay any fines that come out when yeah. these guys decide not to come out. Or if they do something during the national anthem, I'll pay for all of them." New York jets owner, I believe and uh, San Francisco 49ers and um, probably a handful of owners that are going to come out and say the same things. But that's part of the interesting, the, the most interesting part of the discussion to me is talking about standards. So we say, yeah, You've you've slipped you've fallen outside of the guidelines that we consider leadership to fall under. And that will be the battleground that this war is is made upon.
1: Well, I think I mean churches have split over minutiae of um, you know, moral arguments or even not even moral or sin issues. I mean churches have been divided over, you know, the color of carpet. So right. I think yeah, yeah. Th- there's always going to be these tension <laughs> points. Um, it just seems like now all of a sudden society is more interested. Um, uh, the non non Christian, non church society is now interested in the stance we take as a point of conflict or something, you know, something there's, there's a, I feel like there's a, a poking of the church to say, what are you going to, what are you going to do? Mm almost to, to show how hollow maybe our stances yeah. come off or uh, you know
2: well i think that happens because the church as a whole is they by definition they drew a, a line in the sand so right off the bat for some reason christians and churches are held to a different standard than everybody else in the world because they know that we have uh, the Word of God that backs up these actions and the things that we do and the things that we say and, and the, the, the standards that we hold. And so we have this unflexible sort of um, outlook on things and pressures of the world. And so it's, it's basically what it is. Like If you, you could uh, be a, a person in the world and say, Hey, everything is okay. It's fine. And that person is not held to any sort of accountability on anything ever because they're just like, there is no rules, there is no laws, there is no nothing. And so you can't really pin them on anything. You can't go, oh, well, what about this? And like, oh, there's nothing. So with with us, it's like we're saying like, hey, there's this standard, this is what we live by, this is the, the book that we read, and this is the beliefs that we have, and it's... It's, it's like if a person were to say Dr. Pepper is the only soda that should be ever sold because it's the best that there is. Immediately you want to challenge that and say, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And why, how could you say that Dr. Pepper is the only one? That's ridiculous. There's a ton of them out there. All sodas are equally created, sugary, and delicious. And it's it's because of that, that one stance instead of saying, I prefer to drink Dr. Pepper. Right. And, and so as a believer, it's like, I prefer to live this way. I I prefer to, to do it this way. What about transgender? You hate transgender. I don't hate anybody. I don't know. I don't I don't know about it. I don't really know anything about it to say anything about it. You know, what are we talking about? Like would I help a transgender if their car was broken down on the side of the road and the freeway and it was dangerous? Yes, of course I would. Would you help a transgender if they they needed food. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. I don't care. What if your son becomes transgender? I don't know how will cross that bridge when I get to it. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not going to love him any differently. And so it's it's that it's it's that we've drawn a line in the sand that we're constantly up against that and being pushed and pressured and prodded and poked about our beliefs, and and they're going to constantly challenge that. I think um,
1: Steve has talked about this on this podcast through the I think was the Way of Jesus series about removing that line in the sand for people who are outside the faith, that Jesus, we see him in the Gospels um, taking down barriers to faith. And even in, in the book of Acts, uh, church leaders are struggling with this on, on the circumcision issue, right? Mm-hmm. They're saying, well, I think, I think actually they need to be circumcised to be a follower of Jesus. And then they go back to it. No, they don't. Stop, stop making them jump through those hoops um, mm-hmm. to come into faith. Let's just say... Uh, you know, let's not uh, eat things that have been sacrificed to idols, and make sure they're not sleeping with their mother-in-laws. Okay, we're good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it boils down to that. That's a little bit of a paraphrase of Acts eleven or whatever it is.
0: <laughs> you know, if you could keep going, but, just...
1: <laughs> but in that council of Jerusalem or whatever, I mean, they they had to say we're gonna we're gonna take a stance on some things, yeah, but we're not gonna take a stance and die on every single hill of of what has been the way that makes us acceptable to God. We're gonna remove that to allow. Greeks and Romans to get to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it seems like ever since then, we're constantly trying to put up barriers back in place to say, you got to, you know, look yeah. like us or talk like us or think like us. Here's the deal:
0: I'm totally with you, Randall. I am an, um, I'm an evangelist to the core. That is what I do. I'm a big believer. My catchphrase kind of, if you can call it a catchphrase on Tuesday nights is that I don't get bored of Jesus. I don't get bored of the gospel. I'm going to keep preaching it, and I'm going to preach it again and again and again, because I believe that if we're not continually inspired by the gospel, then we've missed it, then we've gone uh, uh, too far or maybe too far back in a lot of cases. Um, Some of it for me personally, though, is that I've also just gone through a serious season where... Uh, I discovered that my, my simple desire for evangelism missed out on the most important evangelism tool and that was doing a better job in creating disciples and letting people see the sausage how it's made mm-hmm. a little bit more um,
2: I agree and,
0: I, and putting people into that process and helping them think through okay I can think through this way or this is what um, you know and, and of course you know we, we can talk about the littlest things about how to put together a message and I would agree with you that not all those things are the most interesting or important um, But but that is my I struggle exactly what you just talked about i want to just evangelize
2: and i think that's that's and that's a, what i'm saying is when there's so many different analogies about coming to christ and, and and becoming when you step through the door for the first time and um the best i think is like a, a hospital you know when you have you have a uh, ICU unit you have critical care you have the emergency room and these are people walking in for the first time and that's where they're at right and then hopefully from there they get into a state where they get to the third floor where they're like hey you're 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 there you just need to heal you need to sit here for a little bit and you need to take it in and then they get to the point where it's like they're walking out the front doors now they're getting their degree This is analogy falls apart. They're getting in the green to be a surgeon, (laughs) and they're coming back in, and they're helping the people that are coming into the emergency room. I want to go to this hospital. Right. So uh, I believe that a church is like that, and the church should be like that. But... my struggle is how are we getting these people into the emergency room
0: right for sure no, and I agree.
2: my whole life goal is to get these people into the emergency room and it's It's a difficult thing to do for sure, but eventually um well, to go back to the sausage analogy, it's like, have a taste of this delicious sausage. Isn't it wonderful? Is it sausage in the hospital? No. Okay. Sorry. And so then you start to eat it. Man, this is so good. And then you kind of come back, like, you can work. You can package the sausage. And then like, hey, you, you, you've been here long enough. We're going to take you to the sausage room. And we're going to show you. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. I know, but remember how good it tastes in the beginning. It's awesome. So uh, it's just the, the – so moving forward, I mean, from that, it's my – struggle my question has been for years and years and years is how we um can get back into some sort of bringing men into the church to making it and this is such a wrong word to say but appealing to men because you can't say that
0: well we've been having this conversation a lot lately um how you know do we what what is a bold strategy maybe for the church going forward to address exactly what you're talking about Get those people in and so it's like do we abandon the importance of the four walls and the four songs and the script and the scripture following that Mm -hmm. and do we place a ton more importance on uh how we how we exist in in our jobs and in restaurants and at gyms and in hikes and you know does the church become a lot less about this property and does it become a lot more about something else
2: so you guys uh so ben hypothetical situation again i come to you and say hey ben we're gonna go fishing and it's gonna go me and uh evan you want to go Yes. Yeah, Do you go. All right, another hypothetical situation. Uh, ben, here, I, uh, I got a, f- a fishing trip schedule It's with my work. There's about 25, 30 guys going. Do you want to go to that? Probably not. Right. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Because I would answer the exact same way. Sure. Like with three people, we can kind of navigate around it. You kind of know Evan a little bit. You don't know me at all, but it's like you can kind of hang with that. Right. If you had a barbecue with all of your bros, Right. What happens? They start to square off. There's three here, two here, three here. They don't all stand in a circle and talk at sure. once. So men aren't designed that way. We saw this in the New Testament. We saw Jesus have a, a, a few guys, and then within those few guys, he had a few special guys, and he would pair off with these guys every once in a while and just have kind of this time. They're yeah. designed to kind of be this way. You played baseball, right? You yeah. were in sports. Even in that team, you had two bros, you had one really good one, you had another one that's pretty good, and then you maybe had another one on the fringe. And outside of that, you didn't really talk to the rest of the team. Hmm. It's, it's a weird d- design that way. We do, we
1: do have men in the church, though. And I was looking at our, our survey of new attendees. We, um, we got surveys back from 212. F- 115 of them were female, 90 were male. So it's not that we're not attracting men. Is it the engagement of men that you're talking about? Because they're in our seats. We, we're about 45 to 65, or sorry, 55-45 split on men and women of our regular attenders, which is pretty close to what, you know, general population is. It's not too far off. But are you saying that they're not engaged? Because they're, they're
2: showing up. They're coming. I guess what I'm saying is that there isn't, they don't seem to sort of have a, um, there isn't much in the way of church that I would want to invite somebody outside of the church to. I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm still, I've been trying to formulate this thought and idea for years now. So I have a friend that I play hockey with and he... <laughs> some of the jokes that he says about Christianity and Jesus are so offensive. You know, but... Um, he needs love in his life like that and he needs jesus and he needs friendship and so none of that deters me from that friendship for him but how am i going to invite him in how can i bring him in how how can i get this person closer to a relationship with christ i i don't know that and maybe that is the answer it's like there is no onboarding that you would have at a church uh,
1: but that's and that's what i would say is does he need to ever come to church right i mean he has you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and is there, is there a category or demographic, um, whether it be men or women who would never, because of past experience or just general feelings about Christians, they're never going to come in. Could that be okay? Is there a different model of church or ministry where, we don't feel like the win is when people walk through the doors on a Sunday morning.
0: And that's kind of where I'm at. The most success I've had as an evangelist has been because I belong in a community that is not the church community. And it's because I play slow pitch softball or I work out at a gym and you develop, I develop relationship with people usually one on one or one on three or one on two long enough to where honestly, this is how it's happened. Most of the time crisis happens Hmm. And then they open up and they begin to ask questions, and then there's an opportunity for influence. And you know, I've I've seen a lot of people get saved that way, um, and and that yeah, really is what it comes down to for me. So which sometimes lends me to the question of what is the church for if we're not yeah, so concerned and, about being and evangelical? And there the, and the
1: traditional view of that would be like I'm going to the gym to build relationships so I can get the ask in at some yeah. point it's like Easter right. Sunday trick and and bring them all the to the right. So so what if it's okay? And again, we're all you know we're sitting in a church as Ben and I, church staff, talking about this. So it's, it's a funny thing to say, but what if there's no ulterior motive in that relationship to somehow weasel our way into a big invite to the next? You know, it's kind of where i I've I've evangelistic been in service we have.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right about that. I guess that's a it's a it's it just hasn't been said. I don't think I've ever heard that before, but it's a really good point. Evan, you always make good points. You're so smart. But I just learned from you when I go back <laughs> in high school. <laughs> but I just think I think there's um, maybe, maybe there's this false sense of urgency that I have. So uh, uh, maybe I have this false sense of urgency that I need to do this conversion to get him in the door. So maybe that's something I need to deal with, but it's a good point. But I just, outside of that... There isn't much <laughs> to bring them in. Yeah. And so when I think about um, events here, ladies' tea always comes to mind. And that's great. It's so designed so well for them, and they love it, and it's such a big deal, and it's a big to-do. And, and then outside of that, I'm like, okay, cool, ladies' tea, and then nothing for the men. But we can't,
1: we can't just keep creating... Everybody that wants something for their demographic. Okay, well, let's create seven exactly. events a year. Totally, that's a good point. I think. I think the bottom line is we want to be proud of our church. We don't want to have to give disclaimers or feel like we can't invite our our friends to what we're involved in and what we believe in. And when the church becomes something that we're embarrassed by or we feel like is missing it, yes, um, sure, that's something that that all of us should feel this urge urgency like you're saying to say how can we make this better exactly to where it is something that I don't feel weird at all being like, hey, and you
0: know, that's great. But we can do it really well and acknowledge that not everybody has to walk through the door still and we can do ministry effectively.
2: I agree. The only the only other thought I've ever came up with that I thought was possibly a good idea was a church sponsored bus ride to a Spartan event spartan race mm-hmm. or big money mm-hmm. um that to me I, is the only clear thought i've ever had is like man what if we had this this thing where silly as it sounds you get a flyer and you can be able to hand it to somebody at work and say hey we're doing this the spartan thing it's so up in washington or in washington it's gonna be on this day and oh is it a church event I'm like no, no no this is like we just the church has bought a bunch of buses and so it's like we just go for free and yeah, we're gonna have all these training days in between mm-hmm. there you know i'm like oh cool well, what's the training day I'm like well one day ben's gonna lead us on a hike and it's gonna be really cool and then another day randall's gonna do some rock climbing stuff out at smith rock and it's just for training it's all free it's all fun and some people are church and some people are not and it's just the way to go hmm. that is an interesting thought to re- rethink what in the past
1: has been like common interest activity groups yes um but re rethinking how that looks and i even think about the you know the pickleball group that comes to the church all the time in the cold months and uses our court. You know, they're they're stepping into our church. Scott McIntosh, one of our longtime Westside staff guys, runs that. I don't think they're church people, Mm-mm. but it's not weird. It's not a normal. It's right. just, hey, come on, hang out with, yeah. with us.
0: Basketball's kind of that way too. Yeah,
1: rethinking some of the things that maybe are already present at, as ministry. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Randall, thank you for your time today. Welcome. You work a normal job outside of this, so we appreciate your, <laughs> you sitting down with us. And uh, I'd be interested if any of our other uh, long-term listeners, or maybe you're new to it, but have some opinions that you feel about what we're doing or how we're communicating, um, like Randall is faithful to do by texting me, um, you can email us at hello at org. And um, I don't know, maybe we'll invite you on the podcast for an interesting conversation. Um, you can hear all of our archives of this podcast um, wherever you get your podcast, or at behindthemessage.org. And we'll be back next week with Pastor Steve as we wrap up our series on family.